0: everybody. This is Kelly from The Kelly Coelho Show, and today we have Mr. Jack Griffith here with us, who's running for State Senate. So, everybody, welcome, Jack, to the show, and we're going to go ahead and hand it over to Jack, and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself.
1: Hey, guys. How's it going? This is Jack Griffith for uh, State Senate District 4. Uh, born and raised down here in Modesto. Uh, I've lived between Modesto and Volcano. Uh, I've played all along the hills. Uh Got into the security industry just out of high school, uh, decided to join the service, went service, uh, got medically discharged after a 300 pound blast in Afghanistan and came back, put myself back together and then started lifting up my brothers and sisters. So everything has led to this path that we are on now.
0: And what is your um, best memory of being in the military? Like, do you have something you can reflect back on and that just really hits home?
1: Funny enough, uh, the firing range. You know, if you only have 18 lanes, but you have 178 soldiers, it's going to be a long day. There's going to be a lot of BS, and it's all going to be done sitting on those hurtful benches.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what's your best childhood memory?
1: Uh, when it comes to my childhood... I always yearned for sports because I was always a big kid, so like, I couldn't play football because I always weighed too much, so I played baseball at uh, Sonoma School, and that was probably, I mean, being on a team and and doing it uh, just really stuck with me. Uh, Built a lot of long-lasting friendships. I mean, I never even went to school with some of those guys, and they're longer friends than the guys I went to school with. Nice, yeah.
0: So, if I were to interview your kids today and I would ask them what's the best or favorite memory that they have with you, what would they tell me?
1: Uh, I think it would be a lot of different things. Uh, my older children have uh, different memories than my younger children. Um, my older children, I was in the military, of course, you know moving around a lot, yeah uh, but I always did take the time to you know help them with their homework or throw the ball with them. Uh, my younger kids, probably uh the tickles, Daddy's there more. Often, you know, being retired at 29 years old, you know, I get to pick and choose Look what at I do. Look you.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: So I got to pick and choose whatever I got to do. So sometimes I would take a job in Tahoe doing EP work. And some days I would decide that the week was worth being spent with the family.
0: So for the listeners that are out there, what is EP?
1: Uh, it's executive protection. Uh, basically, it's an advanced security detail, whether it be a residential team or on-person protection.
0: Okay, and who do you do that through, or where have you gained your uh, training from?
1: Okay, so I trained at the Academy for Professional Development, um, getting out of the service. i had already had years of experience in the industry before, and even like AFPD will tell you, they're not the only class out there, and to do them all, uh, if you're looking to get good information and education on what you want to do. So I did uh, AFPD, and then I started to work for uh, Spec Group. And then um, there's a company out of the uh, Sacramento area. It's called uh, Metro Crime Free Solutions. Um, during COVID, uh, my restaurant shut down that I was running. And I mean, within two days, I was on an Indian reservation protecting them during COVID. So
0: nice. That's awesome. So we're going to go into the Congress. Like, so why did you make that move like from go ahead.
1: Basically, what it started was, is that we were going against, the target was Josh Harder. We were trying to get Harder out of the district. Um, After Harder tucked tail and ran from District 5 to District 13, we had some talks about, okay, well, technically my house address is in 13. Even though I've lived from Modesto all the way up the hill, my family's all up from the hill, you know, maybe I could slide down into 13, but then that just didn't uh, seat well with me either. Um, and then, of course, harder ran to District 9. So we decided, with all the names that had dropped for District uh, 5 and District 13, that we wanted to go State Senate District 4 because it encompassed the same area as District 5, and um, the people had actually asked for me to represent them on a state level. Um, they want me to stop the bleeding of California's leaving.
0: Wow, well, that says a lot about you, Jock. And I'm really glad that you're here today on the show because we get to learn more about why you have chosen to make that, make that move. Um, so what sets you apart from your opponents?
1: Uh, basically, I've been doing pretty much the same job that a representative would do except for representing you at the state or federal level. I mean, I've been out in the community, um, whenever I didn't believe the Stanislaus County's count on homeless and homeless veterans, I went out and counted myself and felt, found huge discrepancies. Um, tons of areas where even homeless people are like, we never saw anyone, no one counted us or nothing. Um, I was also working with uh, uh, other nonprofits, you know, and we were delivering them with goods and uh, just trying to see what their needs were, you know. Um, So that's kind of how I already immersed myself into the community. I've already seen the needs of the community. Yes, I do run a military nonprofit, but civilians speak to me as well. And just because you're not in the military doesn't mean that I wasn't there to help you. You know, um, it just meant that my nonprofit was started with with a goal in mind, and it had PTSD and TBI was was the main focus. Uh, working with veterans that were going through family court or uh, veterans court uh, to get them help and to get them on the right path, and you know, to let them know that it was okay to come home, not okay.
0: Yeah, I really like how you talk about the needs of the community because I really think that's important. And sometimes people don't really know how to identify that, right? go ask questions, go out to the community and ask those questions. If you don't ask, you won't be able to find out. So I really like that because I've been hearing that a lot lately and that's something that I've actually done with our nonprofit. Um, So I think that's really important. I'm really glad that you brought that up because it looks like we're kind of on the same page. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you got my vote. All right. So so PSR, that's your nonprofit. Um, Tell me a little bit more about PSR.
1: So basically what happened was I started protecting soldiers' rights because when I started doing research about the veterans community, one of the biggest things I wanted to do was stop the 22. Uh, Whenever I got out, that's the movement that they were calling it was stop the 22. Well, through my research, I found out that three a day were accounted because they lost their children unjustly. And this wasn't just males. Like I wanted to do the whole, uh, you know, It's men against women. No, women were getting hit just as hard as the men because as soon as you say PTSD or TBI, I mean, a judge who doesn't have the knowledge just assumes, well, he has a PTSD rating or she has a PTSD rating. What's it said at? Oh, 70%? Like they can justify that they're somewhat crazy or not fit to be parents off of a percentage that the military gives you and they don't understand the factors behind the percentage or the reason behind the percentage.
0: And how has PTSD affected your life, your family, um, just your livelihood in general?
1: Well, it affected me in two phases. Phase number one, after the blast, uh, I mean, I wish we can go back to the old shell shock uh, comment. That's literally how I felt. I felt I was in a five-year daze. Um, The second thing about it is overcoming the VA drugs uh, when they put you on you know, Booth's Bar and all these other drugs to kind of affect your mood or change your mood. When really the best thing that I felt for me that worked for me was biofeedback, which is, you know, you go to a computer screen, they hook up a whole bunch of leads to you. They start to find what your triggers are so that you can start shutting down those triggers. Um, and it, it took me getting off of VA medication and going to the vet center to where I put my biofeedback from Fort Hood Texas, and then the Vet Center uh, when it was here in Modesto, and I could put that information together and start rebuilding my life and my mindset.
0: Yeah, I like that. So being a disabled veteran and serving in a foreign war, how has it affected your political views?
1: Um, You know, before I went overseas, I was more like, yeah, progress, you know, um, policy. And then being one of the ones that were on the ground pushing the policy, I saw a huge breakdown. I saw what people were saying they wanted done and what were effectively getting done were two completely different things. And but you can relay that back to them and and it's more of a well did the mission get completed?
0: Yeah. I mean yeah.
1: this is this isn't pass or fail. I mean in high school, you know, it's it's A through F. And that was definitely a D minus at best. In some some of those situations that they try to put us in.
0: So how do you think that those situations could change?
1: Uh, Well, more effective, uh, I guess, research on the problem. Because so you take a region like Afghanistan, and we were in the Nangarhar Providence. Um, If you drove within an hour from our post, everyone loved us. You know, you go about an hour and a half, two hours away and people were kind of like, oh, hey, there you are. We see you, not really rude. You go four hours away and they're like, do you mind not coming to our village? Like when you leave, they attack us because they think that we're giving you information. We don't want your blankets and we don't want your water. We want to be left alone. So so watching that happen, it's kind of like uh, watching it within a county. Two or three cities may love a policy that a county comes out with, but it may actually harm two or three other cities within. So it's kind of more of a, we need to quit rough generating help and start start looking at effective solutions that do help.
0: Yes, definitely, I like that. So how much access will you provide to the constituents? Uh,
1: my constituents are going to have me 24 uh, 7. It's kind of how I operate now. I run suicide prevention, so my phone is on 24 7. I've been an active hero uh, peer mentor for several years now, and I'm on their website. And I mean, I've gotten calls from Kuwait, Germany, Iraq, uh, Alaska, Hawaii. Uh, my legal clerk has gotten the same calls from the same generalized area. So I leave my phone on because I would rather miss a little bit of sleep you know, then someone missed that battle buddy.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, that's really huge. I mean, just being able to have that nonprofit and being able to know that you're helping other people is super important to this community. And I, I know that, um, you know, running that a nonprofit as well, I think it's it's so fulfilling when you know that you're helping any, you know, other people. You could be up till two, three, four in the morning. Like you said, you can lose a little bit, you can lose a little bit of sleep to help your battle buddies out. Um, Today's episode was brought to you by AFPD, Academy for Professional Development. AFPD trains so that you are work ready in EMS or security. And we're back. All right. So tell us a little bit more of what you think the listeners need to know about you.
1: Uh, well, basically, uh, I've been in this uh, situation where I've been out and about and helping I haven't taken any pay for it. This isn't about money, this is about growth. Um, and I would kind of like to thank Governor Newsom right now uh, for all of his bad decisions. Uh, it's really lit a fire under me. Uh, like I said, the, the target was to go after Josh Harder and he get actual representation here in our district, but with him gone, I mean, the reason why I moved to the Senate was because now I'm on the floor I can ask those questions. I can audit the the taxes. I can audit the lottery. We need to see where this money is going. And, you know, uh, just kind of like running a nonprofit. My, my nonprofit, none of us get paid, right? So we always see where the money goes. We show anyone that wants to see where every dollar went. And I really think that me as a state senator, I mean, you're not gonna have to ask to audit my taxes. If elected, I'll put them on my website every year that I file. Yeah. Uh, I need you to see that I believe when I say that our representatives need to quit uh, buying IPOs and stocks because they understand the market and their insider trading. I will not purchase a stock. I, I won't put myself in that situation so that my constituents have those thoughts or feelings about me. I'm not a politician. I'm you. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to stand up and do this together. Yeah.
0: Definitely. I love that. I mean, we all have to work together for the common good. And whatever's going on right now is definitely not working. So we Mm -hmm. need to make a change. We need strong people that are not going to back down, that are not going to say no, and they're not going to allow what's going on right now to continue to happen. Otherwise, we're going to continue to be where we're at today, right? Exactly. Um, So I kind of want to go back to your military career because I know um, you do have some awesome awards. And I know being in the military and when people say, you know, hey, this soldier has some awards. um, I want to hear about those awards. So tell us.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I have I have the basic awards, uh, you know, the. Global War on Terrorism and Service Medal. Well, that's medal. not
0: basic here, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Defense Service Medal. Uh, I got the Army Good Conduct Medal, which I'll tell you, your first time out, you hardly get. So I'm really proud about that one. Awesome. Um, Afghan can- a Campaign Medal with a Campaign Star. Uh, the NATO-Afghanistan Service Medal. Uh, I have an Army accommodation for my deployment and a Purple Heart. So uh, I was able to rack up a couple... Uh, right away Um, you know it's really weird when you get awarded a medal for the worst day of your life you know and it took a lot of time for me to find pride in that medal Um, at first it was kind of more like well you should have given it to the guy that hit me you know it was his he did it you know Uh, But after hearing other stories of other service members, you know, I was just some guy that was coming back from a key leader engagement and uh, 300 pound blast went off under my seat. Uh, There are other guys that stepped on bouncing beddies and it didn't just affect them. It affected the people standing within 15 meters of them. Um, I kind of felt uh, in a daze. But when I was uh, in a Air Force uh, hospital kind of, you know figuring out where I was. I didn't even realize that I wasn't even in Afghanistan anymore. I was in Qatar and kind of like coming to life. And then you're like, oh, well, I had it so bad. And then the person sitting next to you is missing part of their leg. And you're like, I didn't have it bad at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your service. I know sometimes you don't hear it enough, but I do want to say thank you from one sister to a brother. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it and um great job on those medals they definitely say a lot about you and who you are and that's why everybody needs to vote for jack for state senate um i know that he's excited to make that switch but we hope that we have your guys's vote um going back to the afghanistan so tell us a little bit a little bit about your deployments and how many times you deployed and a little bit of, of that back history
1: so uh i was in uh for uh leonard wood missouri and I had orders to go to Germany. And then somehow they cut the orders. I think it was the 19th Engineers. I think the 19th engineers folded and then they went to Fort Riley, Kansas. Well, Fort Riley, Kansas wasn't deploying. So the um there was a master sergeant there that was like, well, if you want, if you want orders now, you could just volunteer for a deployment and then they'll just shuffle straight into the next unit going. So as an engineer, I went into the 1st Infantry Division, and I had to check in over at Fort Hood. And uh, I'll tell you what. It's funny whenever you're in a different MOS's actual unit, you know, like the 1st Infantry Division is infantry. Yeah. And so they kind of, like, give you crap, and it's the great camaraderie. I mean, we have it between branches and between actual MOS's. Yeah. But, uh, you know, after deployment, you're kind of like, hey, guys, uh, I was there kicking indoors too. You know, we were all there doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, my deployment was semi-amazing other than just a couple of incidences. Like, it, it wasn't what I geared up for and what happened were two different things. And I'm thankful that I did gear up for that because in those couple of incidences, our training just took over. Um, there was really, we put thought in hours later, like coming back, you know, you hate to say coming home, but literally coming back to the fob, you're home. And you guys kind of sit there and go, wow, what the hell happened out there today? And then that's when you emotionally deal with it. Um, but I remember pretty much being adrenaline rushed all day, every day, you know, that, that thought of what could, what could happen next? I mean, you're, you're in a brick and mortar with a tin roof. You yeah, know. Yeah. So not only can something penetrate the roof. But if it goes off. It encapsulates you. And it's just. You know what I mean. Like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it was kind of hard to sleep too. Um, I used to have to watch war movies. Because mm-hmm. you could hear the gunfire. But you're telling yourself. Okay. Well that's just in a movie. You're sleeping. Oh. Okay. You yeah. know. So if you were to hear gunfire. it. I mean. There were other guys that knew. That I was doing that. So they would wake me up. And I, in fact I remember I had a guy from uh Maryland wake me up and say "Griffith, there was just an earthquake." And I said, "Bro, I'm in California. Don't like we sleep through these things. Leave me alone. We need yeah. we need our sleep." Uh but Afghanistan, I mean other than one or two kind of bad NCOs, uh we really didn't catch much um and I think a lot a lot of it happened because I showed up couple months after the other guys uh I was a replacement, and they had lost some friends and even then it was kind of hard to get in. There was one or two guys that would talk to you, but there are other guys that kind of wouldn't look at you uh they knew you were replacing the, their brother that they just lost yeah. and and uh, it was kind of hard to slide into that uh, role of camaraderie right away. I mean, it did happen, but they were kind of seeing who you were. Um, it was more of a, I don't want to get close to you if you're some guy that stands up, name tape, defilade above, you know, the gunner's hatch and gets shot. Like, yeah, there are yeah. things, they're just, uh, you know, they called you Cherry when you first got there, and then it took a while to get that Cherry off, And but, I mean, once... The cherry term was gone. Everyone were back to being brothers and sisters. And, you know, and then you wait for the next chalk to come in of other people replacing other soldiers. And, you know, it keeps going.
0: And how have these deployments affected your mental health? And have they or, like, what, what can you say about that or soldiers in the military that go through these deployments?
1: So for, um, I'll, I'll speak on myself uh, at first. Whenever I joined, I was super cocky uh, Mr. Somebody, huge head on his shoulders. Um, you know, then after through basic training, you start to learn like, Oh crap, these dudes are men. Like having people younger than you get it quicker than you do. It's kind of like ego deflating a little bit, you know, and then, um, still kind of cocky and confident when I was in war, But having that blast rip through my body the way it did, like I've never felt anything like that before. And it was really hard for me to mentally come back from realizing how much, kind of how much of like a coward you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the instance of something like that happens, like I didn't understand the type of traumas that people have gone through when they withdraw from something. But I definitely understood it after that. Um so building my mental state back from that that was the longest process was the mental aspect. Um I was kind of just driving one day actually out of just a random uh, ad on the on the radio that was like uh for positive mental attitude. Try not complaining about something today. And I was like, "You know what? Uh-huh. You're right." So I went the rest of the day without complaining about something. I actually went to bed really well. Uh, woke up the next day, probably spent two hours, and then complained about something, you know. But then the <laughs> next day and the next day, and it became easier uh, not to be negative, you yeah. know. Not not to see. I mean, and you ha- always have, like, you know, the neighbor that walks by, and that one neighbor has the dog that poops on your lawn. You're just like, ah, you know. And then just one day, it's like, ah, it's poop.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, like <laughs>
1: it's poop. Like you you literally uh and then for me when I started changing my PMA uh it was easier for the men and women that I worked with. I mean, I have guys that are coming that are blown up, shell-shocked like I am. I have females that are coming from military sexual trauma events. I had males coming from military sexual trauma events and it it that one radio ad Made not only my life better, but dealing with my brothers and sisters and the things that they were going through, uh, it made their life better. Yeah, you know something that small, and that was my main goal was to do help. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. That was that was great talking about um, how important that stuff is. So tell me a little bit about your like immediate short term or yeah immediate short term goals. Um, tell me a little bit about
1: those are you talking about for election or so, um, I would really like, like I said, I would really like to audit our taxes. There's no reason why our taxes say road taxes. You're, you're raising our road taxes, but yet you're not fixing our roads. You're telling us that we have to spend more money and now you're trying to find other ways to take our money for road taxes that aren't getting done. And I know Modesto and, and Stanislaus County and Riverbank, we all have these measures and everyone puts in and and you know local taxes like that do help out. Mm-hmm. But when we have these huge gas taxes going on, I mean, really, where is the money going? Because it's yeah. not going to our roads. Yeah. And then I hate whenever they tear up a whole road, they replace it, and then six months later, you see them cutting the middle of the road out Because while they were replacing the road the first time, they cracked a pipe and then no one wants to say anything because it's a different budget. So they wait for that to be over and then they waste more of our money knowing that all they had to do was dig up dirt and rock, fix the pipe, and then lay the road. Um, And that's one of the things that uh, I also want to expand into, not just the taxes, but whenever a department gets a budget, this whole entire use or lose is not okay I mean, I understand in the military, if you have 180 days of leave, <laughs> yeah. you got to use or lose some of those, yeah. which, hey, just give me the payout for them. We'll, yeah. we'll be yeah. good. But when it comes to, say, um, Caltrans, let's say the Caltrans for just Stanislaus County has a $15 million budget to fix our roads. Well, they blow through $9.5 million and don't have other projects, so they start throwing up stop signs where they think it's going to be better or... Uh, ripping up half of the road because that half is city, but you're going to let, you know, the county fund do this city fund do that. But it until the other gets it, the roads messed up uh, or they start buying, purchasing things that we don't even need because of the use or lose. I'm sorry, but if we gave you so much amount of money, you saved a million next year. it's just a million less that comes out of the budget you get, like you should have the same amount of budget each year. Yeah. you shouldn't have to blow the budget for you to get the same budget. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think that if we did that in our private businesses, the i r s would investigate us and wonder why we're blowing that money. you know, of course, they want their tax money for it uh Another thing I want to do is I want to stop the overtime tax. Um you shouldn't have a a a tax ticker after 40 hours. Yeah. Uh you've done your your duties especially during COVID. It, we have so many people that are out of work, you know, and we have other people that are going to work to jobs that people aren't applying for or getting hired for that are doing their best and because they're at an inflated cost because the owner needs that help to keep their business going or charging them more in taxes. And a lot of people have even misconstrued what I said right there. Let me get this straight. I understand the tax brackets and how they work. But whenever you're making, say, $20 an hour, but now you're getting paid $30 an hour for overtime, the overtime tax is yeah. going to be shifted. So it's not like you're getting a pay raise. Yeah, and and the tax brackets work out to where you're making more money. This is overtime where they're taking more from you yeah. at a higher rate. Yeah. So so that's why I kind of want to stop some of those things from going on. Uh, it's really counterproductive.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: Especially I've... when you're trying to say that you're for the people and you're gouging them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I've I've actually gone through that. So, <laughs> I I know exactly what you're talking about. So, um but yeah, no, those are some great short-term, immediate goals that, you know, hopefully we can make that happen. Um also with the whole tax thing, too, audits on I think everybody, even nonprofits, even I think they need to do more continuous investigation/audits because people are misusing that money. When you're going out to the community and you're asking what our needs are and people aren't telling you they're being met, like you said, the questions come out, well, where is our tax dollars going? Where's this money going that people are doting to a nonprofit, right? When I'm hearing that as well, I mean, there's obviously a problem here and we need to get to the bottom of it. So I love how you're just honing in on that and we definitely need to work together so we can bring you on. Um, So what are your long-term goals?
1: Uh, Long-term goals is to bring more business back to our region. Uh, I really would love to have water projects that are more than just water and water storage. Uh, I want to bring farmers a water program that they own. Uh, Selling off our water to LA area and having Nestle bottle water, because that's all Nestle produces is water bottles, not water. It's it's counterproductive. Where we have uh, all of this food grown through California regions that we're not able to replace the water table because of the water is being sent down south, or they they have to open the floodgates because we're at capacity, and instead of the the capacity water going into an overflow system, which would bring us more power through water generation and bring us more water storage where we could keep the water tables up uh i i think that we also need to look at the fact that uh, our last major water project was in 1980 i was born in 1981 yeah. so i mean we've had repairs here and there but our infrastructure is garbage which if you were to keep in our areas up the hill um looking across from uh you know, Tahoe all the way down to the end of Inyo County, we would have massive snow storage that would drain into systems that no one's even thinking about producing. And everyone keeps saying, well, it's it's the tree huggers that are stopping us. No, what you do is, is you use the available resources that we have now that aren't trapping fish, they're not blocking the flow for them to get back upstream, We're using siphon systems so that we're not taking out of the streams. You know, we're not uh, blocking or damming. It's all consistently flowing, but where it's flowing to, how it's flowing, where it's generating power. You know, you go up the hill um, and you could have power outage above, you know, 4,000 feet. Well, If we had a subset station that was building power through these generation systems and they had storage, they can send more power up the hill past the break. Yeah. You know, past where the poles are out. Because there are people that are living off of oxygen machines. There are people that sleep off CPAP machines. And those all need power. Yeah. And it's a struggle. Yeah. Uh, You have warming stations for the homeless up the hill that can't operate. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's more along the lines of let's quit crying back and forth and say, okay I understand you want to save the waterways and the streams. So do I. But we also need water storage for the farmers. We need power. Yeah, we need infrastructure.
0: So what I'm hearing from you, Jack, is you're all about solutions. So I love that you know, we need to create more solutions. We don't need the whining, the crying. Let's let's create solutions here. I know it's gonna take a lot of work, but I feel like you can do this, right? Like, if we work together, we can make it happen. We just need to stop the crying and just complaining about stuff, right? Yes. We talked about complaining. Let's yeah. stop complaining and crying and let's, get it, let's make it happen. So, um, love spo- that.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to be leadership, right? We're supposed to do what's right for our community. And the problem is, is that you have politicians that don't do right. They sway. They know that, well, my friend does this for this company. So if I push my bill this direction, I'll get a kickback from them while well, they make tons of government money. And then we don't have to produce as much because it's, it's a government contract. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's one of those uh, situations where people that are willing to call out others and say, hey, listen, that shouldn't be in the bill. Like if we're writing something for good, there shouldn't be pork fat in. (laughs) If if I'm writing water projects and energy projects, the only thing in what I'm writing will be about the water projects and the energy projects. It's not going to have my friend's uh, company to come out and do all this, uh, you know, excavating work. And he got the contract because I told him what to bid. Mm. You know, or, hey, this this is the budget for this phase if you can keep it in between here, you know. Yeah. But I also believe that someone like Caltrans, if you tell me that for six miles worth uh, of road, it's going to take you $8 million in eight weeks. Well, when you go a week over, we want some of our money back. And then when you tell us, oh, it was $8 million, but the special rock that we got that goes into our asphalt costs us another $2 million,
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. That's not within our contract terms, and, and you're out. Yeah. Um, we do have other solutions or other companies that pave roads. I'm sorry, but if our own gov- state government entity, which was uh, started to save us money, is actually draining and costing us more money, Maybe we should open the contracts up to non-government companies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. We're all about solutions here. So, Jack, please tell all the listeners today how to get a hold of you if they have any more questions after this podcast um, and any contact information you want to share with the listeners today.
1: Yeah, uh, I can be contacted on the uh, Jack Griffith for State Senate page on Facebook, uh, my messenger. I do uh, answer my messenger. That is me. Um you can even call me if you need to 209-602-6500 like i said my phone's on 24/7 so uh you know make yourself aware and and uh be known um there's a lot of more that is coming i know i know that we don't have all the time to talk about that but hopefully that'll be a a different episode and uh we I can give you a little hint. It has to do with more local representation.
0: Oh, yes. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the next episode. Stay tuned. Make sure you take your mouse, Jack.